global crisis. Bible prophecy. Health and preparedness. You're just in time. 11th Hour Dispatch. Father in heaven, we ask you now as our, as our creator and our Lord to endow us with wisdom and understanding of your word. We pray that your Holy Spirit would enlighten our minds and bring understanding to our hearts. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Welcome to 11th Hour Dispatch. I'm Scott Ritzema, your host, and here we have today a part two of the continuing series of Studies of Bible Prophecy. And we're going to be in Daniel 2 today, and I'm going to get right into it because we're going to have to move pretty quickly through this. Get your Bibles open, get your spiritual thinking caps on prayerfully as you listen to Daniel chapter 2. Now, the book of Daniel, written by Daniel, written at a time when he and his countrymen were taken captive in Babylon. So this is before the time of Christ, the Israelites were in captivity, taken off to Assyria, taken away to Babylon, Judah, David being among those taken to Babylon. Now it says in Daniel 2, in the second year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, so we know about this ancient king from the historical record, talks about him here in the Bible. It says that he dreamed dreams, wherewith his spirit was troubled, and his sleep break from him, meaning he couldn't sleep. Then the king commanded the call, commanded to call the magicians and the astrologers and the sorcerers and the Chaldeans for to show the king his dreams. So they came and stood before the king. And the king said unto them, I have, a, I have dreamed a dream, and my spirit was troubled to know the dream. Then spake the Chaldeans to the king in Syriac, O king, live forever. Tell thy servants the dream, and we will show the interpretation. Now, by the way, this would be a common thing for an ancient king to do. We know from the historical record that the ancient kings would believe that when they received dreams that they, they knew that that was coming from the gods and that they would employ these astrologers and various different spiritualists as advisors who would give them insights. So this is a common theme running throughout the stream of history. But this is an interesting one. The king of the greatest empire in, in the world at the time, Babylon, asks his advisors to tell him the dream and says he had forgotten it and they're supposed to tell him what the dream was. They're supposed to read his mind. So they, they said, please tell us the dream, and then we'll tell you the interpretation. And he says, no, in verse 5, the king answered and said to the Chaldeans, the, the thing is gone from me. If ye will not make known unto me the dream with the interpretation thereof, ye shall be cut in pieces, and your houses shall be made a dunghill. But if ye show the dream and the interpretation thereof, ye shall receive of, the, of me gifts and rewards and great honor. Therefore, show me the dream and the interpretation thereof. They answered again and said, let the king tell his servants the dream and we will show the interpretation of it. The king answered and said, I know of certainty that ye would gain time. You're trying to buy some time here on me because ye see that the thing is gone from me. But if ye will not make known unto me the dream, there is but one decree for you. For ye have prepared lying and corrupt words to speak before me till the time be changed, till I, till I change my mind. He says, no, therefore, tell me the dream, and I shall make known, and then, then I shall know that ye can show me the interpretation thereof. 
So he says, I'll have the confidence in you. If you can read my mind, then I'll know that your interpretation of my dream is an accurate one. The Chaldeans answered before the king and said, There is not a man upon the earth that can show the king's matter. Therefore, there is no king, nor lord, nor ruler, that asketh such a thing of any magician or astrologer or Chaldean. And it is a rare thing that the king requireth. And there is none other than there is none other that can show it before the king except the gods, whose dwelling is not with flesh. So they understood they can't do this. This this requires supernatural help. So Nebuchadnezzar needs some better advisors. He needs people who actually are in touch with the living God. We're going to get to that in a minute. But these advisors would have been doing astrology, reading the stars and the heavenly bodies to try to interpret some meaning. They would actually look at the entrails of animals, as weird and nasty as that is, to detect patterns that will give them some meaning. Well, the decree went forth. The king was very angry, very furious, and commanded them, to his, his, his workers, his, his henchmen, to destroy all the wise men of Babylon. And the decree went forth that the wise men should be slain, and they sought Daniel and his fellows to be slain. Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were Jews who were in captivity in Babylon. In chapter 1, they had risen to the top of the court of the king. Uh, They had shown themselves to be ten times wiser than all the other advisors. Uh, So they're innocent bystanders on this. They're going to be taken away in this massive killing spree of all of the wise men of Babylon. So Daniel immediately goes to his three friends and they pray. Verse 17. They ask the Lord to reveal the dream. And immediately in the next verse, God reveals the dream to Daniel. So then Daniel stands before the king. An incredible scene. You've got this, this slave boy, this, this Jewish young adult youth, standing before the, the strongest, most powerful imperial king in the world at the time. And he says to him, Daniel answered in the presence of the king and said, The secret which the king hath demanded, the wise men and the astrologers and the magicians and the soothsayers cannot show unto the king. But there is a God in heaven that revealeth secrets. Folks, did you hear how Daniel gave glory to God and pointed to God as the true God because of the fact that he revealeth secrets? He knows the dreams of every man. He knows the number of hairs on your head. He knows our coming out and our going in. And he says in verse, Daniel says in verse 28, that he revealeth secrets and make known unto the king Nebuchadnezzar what shall be in the latter days, the literal Original language here says the latter end of days. So this is a prophecy about the future and about the end times, but not just that. He goes on and says, The thoughts came into thy mind upon thy bed what should come to pass hereafter. So Daniel said two things before he even gives him the dream or the interpretation. He said this dream is about what will happen hereafter, meaning after right now, and what will happen at the latter end of days. Now he gets into the vision, into the dream that Nebuchadnezzar had. In verse 31 of Daniel 2, we read, Thou, O king, sawest, and behold, a great image. This great image, whose brightness was excellent, stood before thee, and the form thereof was terrible. This, so he's talking about a statue, uh, an idol. This image's head was of fine gold, 
and his breast and his arms of silver, his belly and his thighs of brass, his legs of iron, his feet partly of iron and part clay. Now, Nebuchadnezzar at this point is on the edge of his seat going, seriously, how does he know this? It's all coming back to him. He's like, I remember the dream now. And there are five parts, components of this metal man, this image, this, this, this statue. The head is of gold. The chest and arms are of silver. The belly and thighs are of bronze. The legs are of iron. And the feet are partly of iron and partly of clay. But the vision is not over. The dream that the king had goes on. Daniel says in verse 34, Thou sawest till that a stone was cut out without hands, which smote the image upon his feet that were of iron and clay, and brake them to pieces. So a stone broke the feet of the statue to pieces. Oh, and it doesn't stop there. This stone that was cut out without hands struck the image at its feet. And then in verse 35, the iron, the clay, the brass, the silver, and the gold broke to pieces together and became like chaff of the summer threshing floors. And the wind carried them away that no place was found for them. And the stone that smote the image, that struck the image, became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. This is the dream. Daniel says to him, so Nebuchadnezzar now knows, this man, this Daniel, has access to knowledge and supernatural divine inspiration that nobody else has. Because Daniel next says, now I'm going to give you the interpretation. Actually, he says, we will tell the interpretation thereof before the king. We, meaning I'm just a conduit for the truth that God has given to me. He says, verse 37, thou, O king, art a king of kings, For the God of heaven hath given thee a kingdom, power, and strength, and glory. And wheresoever the children of men dwell, the beasts of the field, and the fowls of the heaven, hath he given into thine hand, and hath made thee ruler over them all. He says, King Nebuchadnezzar, you're the king of, of, of the whole world at this point. And then the next sentence is this. Thou art the head of gold. Nebuchadnezzar, your kingdom is represented in the statue as the head of gold. So we don't need to speculate what these things, parts of the statue represent. The head of gold represents Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom. Verse 39, though, says, And after thee shall arise another kingdom inferior to thee. After you, Nebuchadnezzar, will come another kingdom. Nebuchadnezzar had thought his kingdom would be the last upon the earth. There's writings from him that have been excavated where he said that very thing. And Daniel says, nope, there's going to be another empire that follows you. And and a third kingdom of brass, which shall bear a rule over the earth. And the fourth kingdom shall be as strong as iron. Now let's stop there. Daniel has now predicted hundreds of years before the subsequent empires would ever arise upon the scene. He has said, King Nebuchadnezzar, you are the head of gold. Then there's going to come a second empire after you. Then a third one after that. And then a fourth empire. And that fourth empire will be as strong as iron, for inasmuch as iron breaketh in pieces and subdueth all things, this this empire is going to be as strong as iron, smashing everything. Now, did this happen in the history? Yes, we can know exactly what happened through the historical record. Not disputed, Not this is just World History 101. After the Babylonian Empire arose an empire that conquered Babylon with the Medes and the Persian, Persians. Darius the Mede, Cyrus the Great conquering Babylon, 
incredible historical events. Babylon was so wealthy. They, were, they had so much gold that gold was like dust in the city of Babylon. They had eight and a half ton solid gold altar for their pagan worship. So it's fitting that he's the head of gold. But then the next empire comes, the Medes and the Persians. The Medo-Persian Empire ruled for hundreds of years after the Babylonian Empire. Babylon ruled from 605 to 539 BC. And then came the Medes and the Persians. They ruled from 539 to 331. The empire that followed them was Greece. And then the empire that followed them was Rome at the time of Jesus. Jesus died on a Roman execution device called a cross. So these four empires were predicted by Daniel to follow one after the other. But then this is where the prophecy gets very interesting. Daniel doesn't say, and then there's a fifth empire that conquers Rome. It says in verse 41 that Rome would not be conquered, but would be divided. It says in verse 41, And whereas thou sawest the feet and toes partly of potter's clay and partly of iron, the kingdom, meaning the fourth kingdom, of iron, the iron monarchy of Rome, we know that that was the fourth empire, Babylon, then Medo-Persia, then Greece, then Rome, followed in a succession of empires, just as Daniel said they would. But then it says that this kingdom, this last kingdom, which we know as Rome, shall be divided. An incredible moment in the prophecy for the student of history, which is all of us, this is, this is basic knowledge. Unbelievable. How did Daniel know that Rome would not be conquered by a subsequent empire, but would be divided and fizzle from within? We'll talk about that after the break. You're listening to 11th Hour Dispatch with author, teacher, and speaker Scott Ritzmer. For more programs and information, visit 11thHourDispatch.com. The average American child will spend 15,000 hours in school and on schoolwork by the age of 18. That's about twice the amount of time spent in Finland, where students rank at the top of the world academically. But in recent decades in America, illiteracy has skyrocketed, high SAT scores have plummeted, even as the test was becoming easier, and American students' academic scores tanked when compared to students in other developed nations. Something is seriously wrong here. It's time to wake up, to come apart and be separate, saith the Lord. The DVD series is called Schooled. The deliberate agenda to reduce individuality, destroy intelligence, and re-engineer society. In Schooled, you'll hear it straight from the mouths of the founders of modern schooling themselves. They're quite proud of it. Visit 11thHourDispatch.com and use promo code RADIO for a reduced suggested donation rate. Wonderful, merciful Savior, precious Redeemer and friend, who would have thought that a lamb could rescue the souls of men? Oh, you rescue the souls of men. And we're back going through Daniel 2 today, an incredible prophecy that when I first studied this prophecy, it began to change the course and the direction of my life, literally. Because when you see what Daniel just said in that last verse right before the break, it completely validates the Bible. You know that this prophecy is inspired because when Daniel spoke these things, he was predicting the future. 
Today, we look back on these empires as history, and we can say, was Daniel right or was he wrong? Was he right? Were there four empires, beginning with Babylon? Babylon was followed by the Medo-Persian Empire, which was followed immediately by the Greek Empire, which was followed immediately by the Roman Empire. Just as Daniel said, there would be four. And then he said that that fourth one, this iron kingdom that's smashing everything, by the way, Rome was the strongest military power, just ruthlessly violent of all four of these. And he said that it would not be conquered by an outside power, the next empire, but it should be divided. Let me read the verse again in 41. He says, Whereas thou sawest the feet and toes, partly of potter's clay and partly of iron, the kingdom shall be divided. But there shall be in it the strength of the iron, for as much as thou sawest the iron mixed with the miry clay. Verse 42. And as the toes of the feet were part of iron and part of clay, so the kingdom shall be partly strong and partly broken. Verse 43 of Daniel 2, And whereas thou sawest iron mixed with miry clay, they shall mingle themselves with the seed of men, but they shall not cleave one to another, even as the iron is not mixed with the clay. Let me share a little bit of history with you. The year was 476 AD, and the Roman Empire, which had ruled for hundreds of years as the strongest empire in history, was not conquered, but fizzled and divided into 10 kingdoms and tribes of Europe, many of whom are the present-day nations of Europe. Rome was not conquered, but was divided, was, was crumbled from within. And so the Roman Empire ceased to exist in 476 AD. 476 AD. For the next 1,500 years, Efforts would be made time and time again with the great conquerors of Western civilization. Efforts would be made to try to reconstitute the Roman Empire, to conquer all of Europe, to unify Europe. From Charlemagne to Napoleon to Kaiser Wilhelm to to, to Hitler, you name it. All the big names, their main goal and objective was we will rule the ancient Roman Empire. We will reconstitute Europe and we will become the one single superpower empire again. So what do all those big names have in common? They all failed. Why did they fail? Because it says in Daniel 2 that the empire of Rome will collapse from within and will be divided. And that these Divided powers would not cleave. What does it say in verse 43 when it says that they shall not cleave? That means they shall not join. They shall not unite. So Daniel predicted that there would be Babylon and then three more empires that would follow, that the fourth one would not be conquered, that it would divide, and that it would stay divided. That was proven true in the history because Rome, ha- Europe has stayed and remained divided. It has never been reconquered as an imperial power. And they've tried many different ways. The most prominent way, the most common way that they tried to unite the kingdoms of Europe was through intermarrying, through interbreeding with the different houses of the royal families of Europe. And, and they, could, they could link up different people from different nations, and and maybe this would be a way to diplomatically 
unite Europe again. Well, it didn't work. The prophecy said it wouldn't work. And by the way, the prophecy said that they would attempt to intermarry even. It says here in verse 43, it says that they will mingle themselves with the seed of men. Some translations just say attempt to unite through intermarriage. I mean, that's basically what that text is saying. Pretty plain and simple. Now, when I was a student of history and political science and teaching these subjects in the classroom, I would talk about the potential of a European superstate to form, like a United States of Europe. Could there be such a thing in the future we would talk about? Because we trace the history of the coal and steel agreements and the free trade agreements and the European, quote, union, not much union there, but they've even got a, you know, a parliament. And the, is, is there going to actually be a superstate of Europe? This statement is from Wikipedia, the United States of Europe. It says the United States of Europe is a name used to refer to similar hypothetical scenarios of the unification of Europe. So they're saying people speculate about the potential for a reunification of Europe. In other words, it's not unified now. But the United States of Europe is a term used to describe a scenario of the unification of Europe as a single sovereign federation of states, similar to the United States of America, both as projected by writers of speculative fiction and science fiction. Because that's what this is, and that's all it's ever going to be. There will not be a reunification of the Roman Empire. There will not be a reunification of Europe under one imperial power. So it's science fiction, it's fiction, and that's all that it will be. Because the Bible said they will attempt to unite, but they will fail. That's Daniel 2, verse 43. It says that they will mingle themselves with the seed of men. It says that this divided Rome, the nations of Europe, will not unite. By the way, they um, at the European Parliament, if you, if you look up an, a picture of the European Parliament building, you might notice it looks strikingly similar to the Renaissance paintings of the renditions or the depictions of the Tower of Babel. I find that to be a strange coincidence. It's almost as if the builders of this European superstate, which will never come to be, are actually trying to work against the providence of God, like Hitler did. Obviously, not the same no moral equivalency, but what Hitler was doing was he was trying to reunify Europe under his global empire. And amazing story about a man whose life was saved by knowing this prophecy. In fact, not just his life, but many lives. His name was Franz Hasel. And Franz Hasel was a soldier in the German army during World War II. He had been conscripted to serve, uh, wouldn't, wouldn't take a combatant role, uh, secretly made sure not to participate in these Nazi war crimes. And he was known to be a student of the Bible had a conversation with his commanding officers once where his commanding officers, one of whom was a historian, came to him and discussed the Bible. And he presented Daniel 2 to them. He, t- he walked them through these empires of ancient Rome. And the historian was confirming all of his dates, all of the empires. He was saying, yep, yep, that's exactly what happened. Babylon, then Medo-Persia, then Greece, then Rome. And yep, Rome was divided, not conquered. And then, oh yes, uh, it has remained divided, and here we are trying to unite it again. Well then, Franz Hazel took a major risk. He shared the next verse with them that we just studied, and he said, Europe will never be united under a single empire again. Hitler will fail. 
Remember, this is the German army he's in. He just committed treason, saying Hitler's going to fail and lose the war. But his commanding officers understood that the Bible had proven true so far. That, really? How did, how did Daniel know that Rome would be divided, not conquered? How did Daniel know that Rome would never reunite so far at that point in history? So they knew that the Bible had some credibility. So you know what they ordered him to do? They said, start stockpiling fuel, please. Because we know we're going to lose. And just in case the Bible's right, which it's been proven true over and over and over again, so we can bank on it, we'd better be able to get home. And their lives were saved, and they did make it back home after the war went in the direction of the Soviets. This was on the Eastern Front. Amazing story. His, his grandson, by the way, is a renowned Christian archaeologist, an American, Michael Hazel, tells the story, incredible story, of his grandfather in the war. And, and this wasn't the only place where they knew this. In England, during World War II, there were preachers going out with, with, with sermon series, preaching on the prophecies, saying, Hitler will not win. The Bible proves it. Come hear the evidence. So they knew this all the way back then. But the skeptics and the scholars and the intellectual minds, when they approach history and they see biblical prophecies like this, they cannot allow a divine foot in the door. They cannot acknowledge that this is divinely inspired. So what they did for many, many years is they said, okay, Daniel clearly portrays the history as it happened. So therefore, we conclude that this was written much later, and we, we, we'll just assume that it was, you know, faked to be written by Daniel at the time of the Babylonian Empire. And so they kind of cook up a conspiracy theory about how this is forged and all of that. Well, then something happened that rocked the academic world and the archaeological world permanently. And it was 1947. The Dead Sea Scrolls were discovered. Ancient copies of the Hebrew Bible, the Old Testament, of course, including the book of Daniel, Eight manuscripts were discovered with intact portions of the book of Daniel. Many of these were dated to, listen closely, a hundred plus years before the time of Jesus. So they had copies of this in their scriptures a hundred to two hundred years before the time of Jesus. This was not written way after the fact, faking to be old we have validated documents showing how ancient Daniel actually is. So Daniel absolutely was writing this at the time he says he was writing it, and he absolutely did predict the future in advance with stunning accuracy. And so that leaves me with a question. Where do we stand today in this prophetic timeline? Well, there was those four empires, and then there was the last part, divided Rome. We still stand in divided Rome with no new empire ruling over Europe and North Africa and the Middle East. So what's next in the prophecy? It was that rock cut out without hands that struck the statue at the feet and the feet exploded and all of the metals of the statue turned into chaff and blew away in the wind. What does this mean? Verse 44. And in the days of these kings shall the God of heaven, so in the days of divided Rome, in our day, the God of heaven shall set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed. And the kingdom shall not be left to other people, but it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. 
For as much as thou sawest that the stone was cut out of the mountain without hands, a divine act without hands, and that it broke in pieces the iron, the brass, the clay, the silver, and the gold, Daniel's saying, just as you saw that in the vision, you can be sure that not only will Christ, the rock of ages, come, he will destroy the kingdoms of this world, he will set up his kingdom, and that rock became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. So when God says, I am God and there is no other like me, because I can declare the end from the beginning and declare from ancient times the things that are not yet done, we know we can bank on this. The word of God is confirmed over and over through the prophecies. Trust and obey the word of God. To financially support this broadcast, visit 11thHourDispatch.com. Here's Scott Ritzema with another final minute message. Imagine you have a switch on the front of your brain, your frontal lobe. You turn on your TV. Within just minutes of you viewing entertainment, theatrical-style television, your frontal lobe is completely off. But at the same time, imagine you have a switch in your limbic system. That one turns on because theatrical-style television is designed to produce a limbic impulse of some kind, led by the filmmaker into this experience of anger, fear, aggression, lust, sadness, amusement, you name it. What are the long-term effects going to be? This is going to start to destroy you spiritually if you're sowing to the sinful nature. But the one who sows to the Spirit will reap from the Spirit eternal life. Brought to you by Belt of Truth Ministries.org.